Hey, you found us again. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. If you missed part one of our holiday extravaganza, you can hear that. It's already in your iTunes feed. Uh, you can also click on it on SoundCloud where we discuss the 2019 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Now we're going to completely shift gears and talk about college football bowl season. In a typical podcast, we would just do this all at once, but right. we, have, we have the time and exactly. we're able to shift around. Why not? We're sitting here watching the Jared Birmingham Bowl, and nothing says bowl season like the Birmingham Bowl. But if you're an ASU person, you get to see Mike Norvell's offense right? stumble uh, after a coming out hot. <laughs> after a good start. <laughs> we saw that a few times. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yes, we did. And that is exactly what's happened. 28 points in the first uh, 20 minutes of the game and nothing since. And they're now down to Wake. But we'll talk about some games that resonate a little more than Memphis and Wake Forest. No offense to Memphis and Wake Forest. So obviously the college football playoff, which kicks off on Saturday, December 29th, a week from today, you've got Notre Dame-Clemson in the Cotton Bowl uh, in the afternoon, and then Alabama-Oklahoma in the evening in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Let's do the first round of those games, what we think, and then we'll shift to the New Year's Day Bowls and then go back to the title. Sure, sure. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think certainly the favorites are the favorites for a reason. I mean, Alabama and Clemson have been the two teams that have kind of separated themselves all year. I think for almost every week they were one and two. I think Georgia got up to two for a short time there. But, um, you know, they started the year one-two, I think, and they've they finished the year that way, both undefeated. Um, neither played very many close games at all. I mean, Clemson had a, had a close call um, against Syracuse the end of September when you and I were at Northwestern. And after that, I think they won every game by 14 or more points and some by a lot more than 14 um, they, you know, they went a stretch, I think of four or five games where they didn't allow a, a single offensive touchdown in the first three quarters. Um, it, you know, gave up a lot of points to South Carolina at the end of the year, which is a little interesting because, you know, South Carolina has got a good passing game and so does Notre Dame, but they definitely look very good. Um, you know, the question, you know, how will they, you know, Notre Dame's got a good defense. And so how will Trevor Lawrence look? Will they be able to run the ball as well as they have all year? Um, I, I think it'll be a really good game. I expect it to be, a, you know, competitive, not a one-sided battle by any means. Uh, both teams are undefeated for a reason. Uh, Todd McShay's first mock draft had three Clemson linemen mm-hmm. uh, as potential first-round picks. Their defense is allowing under 93 rush yards per game yeah. and under 14 points a game. Uh, Notre Dame, as you said, no slouch, averaging uh, 17 points allowed and holding teams to a total of 331.5 yeah. yards per game. Uh, I'm not sure that we're actually going to see a defensive game, though. Uh, no, you know, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see a, a 14-10 game or anything like that. I mean, both teams have good offenses, and, um, you know, and the college game doesn't really lend itself to those type of games that often anyway because, you know, more possessions and hurry-up offenses and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is two good defenses. That's one of the, you know, the biggest change that's happened at Notre Dame from the disastrous year of 2016 to the last two years is the defense. Um, 2016, they were terrible defensively, couldn't stop anybody. Um, in the last two years, first under Mike Elko and now under Clark Lee, who was his, who was his you know, uh, underling the year before and took over the defense when Elko went to A&M, they've been really, really good. They're very sound. They've got you know, two or three guys that, that will probably get picked, if not first round, day two of the draft. Um, a corner in Julian Love, a linebacker, Tavon Coney, and a defensive lineman in Jerry Tillery. So all levels, they've got they got talent there. 
And, you know, Clemson's offense has been kind of up and down this year. Sometimes it's a freight train, and other times it seems to struggle. So I'm curious. But the flip side, you know, Notre Dame really got going offensively when they started running the ball with Dexter Williams. And it's going to be tough to run the ball on Clemson. Not Really nobody's done it this year. Yeah, in the uh, Notre Dame-Syracuse game, you know, there are a number of common opponents with mm-hmm. Notre Dame's new ACC mm-hmm. schedule, and obviously right. both teams beat all of the common opponents. Right. Uh, the biggest disparity was probably Syracuse because Notre yeah. Dame at the end of the year handled uh, the Orange, who yeah. were number 12 in the country, 36-3 to before wrapping up with a seven-point right. victory over USC. A little bit of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they crushed Syracuse. Now the flip side of that is they struggled with Pitt, and Clemson handled Pitt very easily in that ACC title game. So you can – you know, you can look at those opposite ways. Um, I mean, certainly Clemson went through. That was a weird week when they played Syracuse. That was a week Kelly Bryant left. They transitioned to Lawrence. He gets hurt in the second quarter. They're playing, you know, who had been the third-string quarterback, never taken a really meaningful snap before. And Syracuse is a good team. They, they finished, what, 9-3, and 10-2, mm-hmm. something like that. Very A very good season for them. Um, you know, and then Pitt, you know, like I said, I mean, Pitt has a, has a knack for playing teams – very well that are much higher ranked they didn't against Clemson but they did against Notre Dame so who knows I, I expect it to be a good game I would favor Clemson um, because I just you know that their defense is really good they run the ball so well this year with you know ETN's you know top 10 Heisman uh, candidate this year um, but I do not believe and maybe I'll eat these words I do not believe we're going to see Notre Dame completely outclassed like they were in, in 20, you know, 2012, 2013 Orange Bowl when they played Alabama. Um, that This is a much better Notre Dame team to me, a much deeper, more talented, uh, faster, stronger team than what, what that team was. So I, I think they'll acquit themselves well, but ultimately I'd pick Clemson if I had to pick somebody. Also very interesting that you've got two different schools – who switched quarterbacks, yeah. switched starters early in the Mid-season. year. Yeah, both, you're right. Both stayed undefeated. Yeah. Both now playing in the semifinals. Yeah, you're right. They opened the year with uh, you know Brandon Wimbush and Kelly Bryant. Both went to a guy who is a better passer, but still gives them some running ability. I mean, Ian Book can can they'll, they'll call some design runs for him. Clemson's done the same with Trevor Lawrence, um, but certainly guys who are more comfortable throwing the ball. For Notre Dame, it was a great decision. It was it was a, it was a questionable decision at the time. Felt like why would you go away? But big shot in the arm for that. It team. was it was. I mean, it gave them like you know they beat Michigan, but then the next two weeks they struggled against Ball State. They struggled against Vandy, and they struggled to put up points. And I think Brian Kelly realized that, you know you, you, this team needs. Yes, they got a good defense, but it's hard to win every game. You know, twenty to seventeen. That's not easy to do. And. And, and the first week Book got the start, I think it was at Wake Forest, played great, um, really hasn't slowed down all year. I mean, even even had some, you know, didn't play great against Pitt, but made the play at the end, you know, in the fourth quarter to win the game. Um, so, yeah, it's been a great move. And, and for Clemson, I mean, we talked about it preseason. It was a move that you saw coming, thought maybe it would be a year because Bryant only had one year of eligibility left for them. Um, he saved that one year to go to Missouri next year. Uh, but, you know, Lawrence is, was the number one recruit in the nation for a reason. You knew he was going to get his chance, and he's been really good. And, you know, he's already got people buzzing about the 2021 draft and chance to take him number one overall, which means we'll spend the next two years ripping him and taking him apart for every one of his flaws. But for right now, everyone loves him. It's interesting. I feel like 
the move last year by Saban to go to Tua and pull Jalen Hurts sort of opened the door for coaches yep. to, to lift guys who hadn't lost a game and yeah. say, yeah, yeah, no, we understand, but you, that's still, you're, you're giving us a lot better. and you're still not giving us enough. Yeah, and I mean, I you know, you, you gave me credit for it, so I don't feel like I'm patting myself on the back too much, but it's, it's the rationale I used preseason about Clemson. I felt like Clemson was probably good enough to go 13-0 with Kelly Bryant, but could they win – two playoff games against other elite competition with a quarterback that really isn't a great passer. I didn't know that they could. We'll never know. I mean, obviously he's gone. They went to Lawrence. We'll see if it, you know, they may not win with Lawrence. Uh, you know, they're not guaranteed to win anything, but um, I think it was the right move for them. I think, you know, while Alabama learned from the championship game the year before when Jalen Hurts really struggled in that second half, couldn't convert a third down when they had chances to put the game away, to me, I think Clemson learned from the Sugar Bowl last year when they couldn't move the ball against Alabama that, yeah, you know, Kelly Bryant's a great quarterback. He can get us here, but can he win the whole thing? I don't think so. I'm going to pick Clemson 28-17. Okay. I'm going to say uh, I'll go 27-24. Moving on to the Orange Bowl, you've got number one Alabama, wire-to-wire wire, number one, um, you know, also, the number one recruiting class, which yeah. they've done repeatedly. Yeah. Taking on Oklahoma and Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray in what could be either his last or second-to-last college football yeah. game. Yeah, almost um, certainly. Maybe maybe his last football games ever, depending on what he does. Now, the Alabama teams are the same as they've always been. Their, their defense is solid. Their offense uh, is good. Oh, they, yeah. they don't need to play guys in the second right. half a lot of times. Right. Their average uh, scores this year are 47.9 to 14.8. They are yeah. averaging a, yeah. a huge blowout. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's well, you're right, same as they've been in the sense that they're, you know, dominant. A different way. I mean, they've never had an offense that was this explosive. Um, you know, they've had good offenses. They've had two Heisman Trophy winning running backs. They've had, you know, a bunch of offensive linemen that have gone first round or been award winners. But this is different. To, I mean, and they've had great receivers, usually one at a time. Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. But this is, this is different. This is a, you know, a really good quarterback who you know, sailed through the regular season before a, a bumpy SEC title game. Uh, three great receivers, actually four. I mean, Jalen Waddell's a true freshman, and he's been really good. Great tight end. Uh, they don't run the ball as well as they have, but they haven't needed to. You know, and, and they spread the carries around three different backs that are all really good. Um, the interesting thing for me is their their offensive line isn't great this year. Mm-hmm. I've watched them more this year because of Tua, and it's not a dominant group. Um, and now Oklahoma is not a great defense. I was going to say, Oklahoma so, has won a lot of games by just outscoring right. people. And so you don't feel like Oklahoma can take advantage of that. But should they get to Clemson, especially – That'll be really interesting to me if those teams face each other because Clemson's strength is its defensive line. You mentioned you know, three guys that are projected to go first round, another who will probably go in the day two of the draft, uh, and a couple of you know, a true freshmen who was a, a freshman All-American, not even starting, Xavier Thomas. So they've got plenty of talent on the defensive line to challenge Alabama's offensive line. Now, we're a game away from that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this, this game feels more like a shootout. Because Alabama's defense has some flaws. We know Oklahoma's offense is great. We know Oklahoma's defense has flaws, and Alabama's offense is great. So it feels like a game that's going to be, you know, maybe both teams in the 40s or more. 
you were at the SEC title game. You saw Georgia dominate early and yes. you know fail to hang on. Do you yes. think that there was anything that you can take away? Was it something Georgia did, or was it a lot more? Well, you know, I'm never honestly. I mean, I love football. I watch a lot of football, but I, I'm not great with X's and O's type of stuff. I never been a coach or you know, but. They were getting guys open, and Jake Fromm was spot-on accurate. I mean, he was putting the ball right where it needed to be for most of that game, and they kind of got conservative in the second half, it felt like, went away from some things. But Alabama wasn't getting a lot of pass rush, and they were getting guys open, and then they started to run the ball. They didn't have success early running it, but then it opened things up for Swift and Holyfield running it. Um, And so, yeah, I think there are certainly things that Oklahoma will take from that. Now, Alabama's also had four weeks. And we know Nick Saban's history of, you know, having a lot of time to prepare for games is almost as good as it gets. I mean, aside from the Sugar Bowl in the first year of the playoff when they lost to Ohio State, I think he is unbeaten in games where he's got, you know, more than two weeks to prepare, which means regular season openers and either championship games or, or you know, yeah. I'm not counting Bowls. the bowl games, you know, yeah. because, because the you know, those are different. But since the, you know, championship games, he won what? Won at LSU and... One, two, three BCS title games at Alabama. Before the championship. And now two playoff, you know, and and been to another final. Yeah, and it's the first round of the playoff where that right. stat comes right, in. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, he so has he's three and one in semifinal games. Lost that first one, but then, they, you know, they won in 15 and 17. They got to the final in 16. Um, and he was 3-0 and or 4-0 and in BCS title games there. So he's very good at having time to prepare. That said, flip side of that, what's the history of – you know, the quarterbacks that give Nick Saban defenses the most problems are quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. They can run around, they can throw, whether it was, you know, Manziel, Cam Newton, you know, Tebow. Now, those, those are Heisman <laughs> Trophy winners. They give <laughs> but, a lot of defenses trouble. Yeah, but so Murray, I'm not singling out Nick Murray Saban. is a Heisman but, Trophy Yeah, winner. exactly. You know, he's, he's as good as those guys are, it seems like. I think that Alabama's going to win. I think that it might come down to Alabama's defense makes two stops and that's all they need. And I they mean, win something in the neighborhood of 49, 35. Yeah. I was going to go fairly high scoring too. I was, I mean, I think, uh, 55, 45 or something like that. I feel like it's going to be a shootout. Now, you know, the interesting thing always is much as we talk about having time to strategize four weeks is unusual. You get out of rhythm. And, and, you know, it's just different. Um, you know, Oklahoma was in such a great rhythm at the end of the year. West Virginia game, the Big 12 title game. Well, they have that same rhythm. Now, Alabama really wasn't in a great rhythm at the end of the year offensively. Well, and with and, teams so. like Oklahoma, you know, the, the closest analog I can think of is the Oregon teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, you get rolling, you find this rhythm, and right. then there's a break. And we saw it happen to Oregon where yes. the, it just looks It's hard, weird. yeah. And, you know, Murray's been on the awards circuit uh, you He's know, answered a lot of questions about his future. Right, right. You know, so it's it's tricky. I mean, it, you know, you're not practicing regularly. You have the holiday break. You have finals. Um, you know, kids go home for some time. Um, then you're practicing in a different spot. You know, you're not practicing at your own place and doing your own routine. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see, will they have that same rhythm? Now, they came out and looked great against Georgia last year in the Rose Bowl. And you know, made an SEC defense look slow for that first half. But then Georgia made some adjustments, got settled into the game, slowed them down in the second half. And it might be the same type of thing this year. We're in jump ahead to the January first bowls, uh, unless you want to talk about the Cheez It Bowl that you're attending. Uh, well, it, it'll be uh, 
be fun. It'll for happen. A, for, a, you know, a cheap ticket that I was able to get. And, you know, Cal hasn't played at ASU for a while because of the Pac-12 schedule rotation. So I was glad to see us, you know, in, in this city get somebody different. Uh, you know, TCU was certainly a more attractive team at the start of the year than they finished the year. Um, but, you know, a couple of good programs. Uh, do I know who will win? No, I have no clue. I mean, it's a, it's your classic bowl game. I'd probably favor Cal because of that good defense. Um, you were you were a big Wilcox fan, I know, when they hired yeah. him, and he's done really well there. Yeah, and if it they was can the find exact offense, opposite of Sonny Dykes. They, they exactly. Are, they need, exactly. He needs an offensive coordinator. Yes. I mean, uh, if they can find a good offense, and they got a freshman quarterback this year who's been okay. You know, I mean, he got he him can, to bowl eligibility. Right. If he can continue to grow, now the North is tough. I mean, you know, I'm not going to make the mistake of selling Washington State short again as long as Leach is there. Washington's always good. Oregon Stanford, is getting really Oregon. good with their recruiting class, Stanford. So it's a hard division to make progress in, but they seem to be doing that. And, you know, maybe they can maybe they can make a run at a division title here in the next couple of years. Uh, let's move to the New Year's Day Bowls. You've got Washington and Ohio State in Urban Meyer's last yep. with an asterisk game. Yeah, we think it's his last, maybe. He's, he's had a last game before. Right, he has. Uh, you know, but it should be – Interesting, you know the obviously the whole media narrative is going to be about Urban right. Meyer, but you know can Washington do something to salvage a, a Pac-12, right? You know, right? Look good moment. Well, and it's it's strength on strength. If you if you like that, you know Ohio State's passing offense has been great this year. Haskins, you know, had the best statistical season in Big Ten history. Um, probably going to the draft, it appears. You know, a one and one and done year as a starter for him. Um, against Washington's pass defense, which is so good, you know, got got a you know multiple NFL prospects that are back there. Really good defense overall, but their pass defense is suffocating. I mean, we saw that when we played them. We didn't, we didn't even attempt to pass much. Yeah. That was the game where the offense changed into a running offense, and partly out of necessity because you just don't have much success throwing it on them. The key for me, though, can they score enough points? I mean, even if they can hold Ohio State to, let's say, 21, which seems unlikely because Ohio State's probably going to score more than that. Uh, you know, can Washington score 21? They've been really poor offensively. Now, Ohio State's defense hasn't been great, but they got talent. It's not like they're, you know, lacking bodies on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I'd favor Ohio State there. I mean, and, and it feels like Urban Meyer's last game, they're going to win that. You know, yeah. they got the emotion on their side. And then he can retire to a career of teaching, teaching ethics and leadership. Right, right. You know, so, yeah, it'll be a fun – I mean, the Rose Bowl is always fun. It's it's really – I mean, I was going to ask you this, but it, you, you, you uh, are looking at the games. But aside from that game, I mean, prior to right now when you're looking at the schedule, how many bowl game matchups did you know? I mean, did you know who the Sugar Bowl was? No. And that's a big game. I mean, you know, so I mean, let's run through. The the Citrus Bowl, Penn State, Kentucky. Right. I, I did not. I wouldn't have had any I idea. knew they were playing, but I yeah. couldn't have told you which bowl game yeah. it was. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl, I knew because it was in Arizona. Right. And I, you right. Know, when I see the right. Republic, I see that it's UCF, right. LSU. Uh, and then the Sugar Bowl is Georgia, Texas. Right. And I did not know that. And I'll ask you this, because it's not on New Year's Day. Who's in the Peach Bowl? Do you know? And I'm not doing this to, to make you uh, – I'm, I'm doing this to make a point. No. Peach Bowl is the other New Year's game. It's not a New Year's Day. It's Michigan-Florida. Two top ten teams according to the rankings. The point I'm getting at is outside of the Rose Bowl and the two playoff games, whichever those are, the bowl games have kind of lost much in the way – I mean, Georgia-Texas, those are two historic programs. Sugar Bowl is a historic game. But 
is there much buzz for it? I don't feel like there is. And well, I'm a and Texas this, fan, and well, I like Georgia. And I'll say this. This goes to the broader point, and maybe now is the time for you know us to hit control uh-huh. F7 uh, on the rant. <laughs> but mm. uh, I think that it is fair to say that you know, the bowl games matter less and people don't care. And that's, you know, part of the issue is, you know, guys aren't playing. Right. And, and so who well, cares? I mean, these New Year's games, so these other four New Year's games that are supposed to be the biggest games outside of the playoffs. Michigan has Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush, Karan Higdon not playing. Now, Devin Bush is hurt. The other two guys just opted not to play, protect their, you know, futures. Smart move. Um, LSU has Greedy Williams, Ed Alexander not playing. Both healthy. Both could play. Not playing. Um, you know, so you've got games with elite prospects that aren't playing. And, and so, you know, it does detract from the meaning of them because these guys know, and again, I'm not arguing it at all, that the games really don't mean anything. If Georgia wins the Sugar Bowl or loses the Sugar Bowl, it's not going to re- drastically change the perception of their season. They had a good season. They finished second in the SEC. They didn't make the playoff. That's what we're going to remember. We're not going to remember whether they won or lost this game. Now, Texas, you could make an argument winning the game would mean something just because they haven't won a big bowl game in a while. They haven't been in one. Um, But in reality, it's a consolation prize. And that's why I think we're headed. I mean, and and I don't know if you've been reading the stuff on The Athletic. I have that, you know, Nicole Arbach's been getting some good, good dirt from, you know, Jim Delaney and Barry Alvarez and Bob Bowlesby that, you know, we're ready to talk about 18 playoffs. And I think... I think this these things go together because the bowl games have become marginalized. They already were by the BCS, but they're even more marginalized now. And and I think we're headed for a point where, you know, I said last time we talked that 15 years from now, bowls may not exist. That was probably an overgeneralization. They probably still will, but they're just going to become less and less important. They're going to become more like the Memphis Wake Forest yeah. <laughs> compared to feeling like, oh, it's January 1st, we got to watch the Sugar Bowl. I just, I don't feel like it's that way now. Yeah, I mean, if it's not a playoff game and it's not my team, honestly, I'll watch it if it's on, but I'm not, Right. you know, uh, I'll say this, if there was a good movie on, (laughs) I'd be just as inclined to watch the movie as to watch the end of this game, and it's a close game between two teams that I don't care about. And and the sport has become, it's become a national sport. It's been that way for a long time, but, you know, go you can go back, you know, 40, 50 years, and people didn't really care that much about how many national titles you won. Or, I mean, the, the great example is Bo Schembechler, a legend at Michigan who never won a national title. But does anybody, I mean, it wasn't important back then. He won Big Ten titles, never won a national championship. You know, Bear Bryant won a bunch of national titles, but did we keep track of them? It's not like Vince Lombardi or Bill Walsh. But now we're, you know, now that's the way the sport is. We know how many titles Nick Saban's won. We know how many titles Urban Meyer won. Um, it's a national sport now, and, and if it's not got any bearing on that national outcome, it's hard to get people worked up for it. Yeah, you uh, care about your school. Right. You know. And it didn't used to be that way, but there's nothing wrong with the way it is now. Like I, I'm, not, I'm not like pining for the old days and saying, well, I wish we could just go back to playing the Bulls. Some people do that. That's, that's come and gone. Those days are over. They were fine days, but they're over. Uh, you can't turn the clock back. So I just think, you know, let's keep making progress. Let's do this 18 playoff. I'm all in. Let's let's start it in 2020 well, and, I think and move forward with it. I think part of this is you've devalued the Sugar Bowl, yes. the Peach Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, because 
one, when you went to sponsors for some of them for a time, you know, for a while it, it wasn't the Citrus Bowl. Yeah, yeah. When it wasn't right. when that, when that wasn't the name, <laughs> I didn't view a difference between the you know right. the Cheez It Bowl and the Chick Fil A right. Bowl because right. they, they didn't it, know. some sponsor. Yeah, the Peach Bowl it. was for a while the Chick Fil A Bowl. They yeah. made it come back to the Peach Bowl because of the New Year's Six. They wanted yeah. them all to have a name. But yeah, I mean the Citrus Bowl for a while was the Capital One Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, the Peach Bowl was the Chick-fil-A Bowl, you know, so you don't even know what these games are. I mean, a couple weeks ago we talked about Will Greer and they're playing the Camping World Bowl. I had no idea what game that was. I knew it was played in Florida. I had to look up what game was it, where is it played, and right now I'm thinking it's Orlando, but I can't remember. Yeah. Well, and that's I think the, it's in Orlando. And that's <laughs> the point is you don't, it, you don't care. Right. And because – because most of the bowl games don't matter. If no. I don't know what bowl it is, exactly. then I, you exactly. know, then it doesn't matter to me. I mean, me. they are they are fun little exhibitions. Is it fun to see Georgia play Texas? Yeah, you know, two historic programs, and I'll watch it on the night of the first. But it doesn't really mean a whole lot. The Rose Bowl still has some cachet, um, but because wonder, of the stadium. Well, the thing is, I know, wonder if we weren't here, if we weren't in a Pac twelve, I don't know. That's stadium, a good question. Or maybe we wouldn't feel that way. Would we care less. They've tried, you know, to make the Sugar Bowl equivalent to the Rose Bowl, have this Big 12 SEC, but you can't force history. And the Sugar Bowl is not historically a Big 12 SEC. I mean, Big 12, first of all, 20 years ago or 25 years ago didn't exist, um, you know, and it's changed so much and since it, it has existed. They had 12. They've lost four of the 12 they started with. They've replaced two of the four they lost, uh, you know, so it's not that um, – the, you know, the Rose Bowl, I think because of the stadium, because of, you know, and you're right, maybe we wouldn't, but I think a lot of the country, even if you're from the East Coast, for example, not necessarily in a Big Ten market. But it is your you January watch, 1st You watch game. January 1st, you see it's the sunshine ABC. and the mountains and the perfect weather. And, I mean, my dad used to talk about it. Now, he was from a Big Ten area, you know, Iowa. But, but you know, that's like your, you know... You, dream, you know, you sit in your living room and you watch and you think, God, I'd love to be in California right now and not, you know, where it's 20 degrees and snowing. So there'll always be that cachet and the stadium's a great stadium. The views are great. Uh, but it's more the romance than the game itself. Yeah. I mean, if Urban Meyer, let's say Urban Meyer wasn't retiring. We didn't have that storyline. He said he was coming back. Would there be a ton of interest in that game on a national level? Pro- probably not. I mean, more so than any other bowl. But probably not a ton of like, oh, no, I got to make sure Washington, I see that it's game. It's a three-loss Washington right. team against a uh, Ohio State team that most of the year was unimpressive. Looked right. great at the end, you know, finished strong. But it's just, you know, I don't know that the Bulls will go away for quite a long time. Maybe eventually. I mean, here's here's where the money comes in. What we're watching right now, we're sitting here watching ESPN. ESPN owns and operates many of these games. They air. 90% of them, I believe. Mm-hmm. If ESPN... Like Sun Bowls on CBS yes, and Fox, Fox has, has a couple. couple. But not, mo- the majority, large, large, large majority are ESPN programming. And so if ESPN ever decides we're getting out of the bowl business or we're cutting back on the bowl business, that's when we'll see the bulls decrease or disappear altogether. Maybe they won't because it's great programming. I mean, it is. You know, we're sitting yeah. here and I don't really care who wins this game, but I got it on. And when this ends, I'll watch some of Houston and Army, and I don't care who wins that game Speaking either. Speaking of games with guys not playing. Right, Ed Oliver. Yeah, I mean, and, and and that's another trend that is certainly happening. We've talked about it a few times, and it's a smart trend. These guys should not be playing. Nikhil Harry was right to not play. Those guys at Michigan, those guys at LSU, I mean – 
I'm I'm not as personally disappointed by the LSU guys because we saw LSU last year, so I saw those guys play last year. But if I had never, if we had not gone to see LSU last year, I as a fan would be like, man, you know, Greedy Williams supposed to go top ten in the draft. He's not playing, but I don't blame him. Devin White shouldn't play. He says he's going to, but if I was advising him, I'd tell him no way. Yeah. On the very same field that Jalen Smith's career was altered for two years, I wouldn't do it. Devin White could be a top ten pick. I'd yeah. stay stay far away from playing that game. But yeah, it's one of those things that we've talked about. You know, what is the point of college? Yeah, and if it's to prepare you for your profession, if, if all these people are telling you you're ready right. and they're going to pay you a lot to do right. it, and and people, you know, the people who are arguing it are of course doing the you know the straw the you know snowball. Well, if they're going to sit out this game, then what's to prevent them from sitting out their whole season? Well, that's a that's a false argument. One basically exhibition game that means nothing is not going to change your perception on, you know, whether you are worthy of the draft. It's not. Um, if you sit out the whole year, yeah, it probably will. I mean, you know, you only get three years, four years at the most if you're an elite level prospect. So saying, you know, I mean, Ed Oliver said before the season he wasn't going to, was, he was going to draft, but he still played and got hurt. Maybe took a longer time coming back, but you know, he played, he played this year and he played well. Uh, well, and you see it go the other way, too. When these guys get hurt who play, they stop. And, right. And, you know, you see it with Bosa Nick this Bosa. year. and you know, Miles, Miles Jack, Jack a few years ago. And, yeah. and for Jack, he went and fell out of the first round. Yeah, he did. It was early second, but... In part because of his injury. Yeah, Almost that's entire, I mean, you know, you know he had a, a deteriorating knee, but, apparently. But yeah. so what would be the point of him coming back right. to take a hit when, exactly. when they're already downgrading you because you got hurt Exactly, once? yeah, I agree. I mean, I just, I feel like this is... This is just the reality, and I, there's so many people. I mean, I, I was watching one of the games. I think it was Marshall and USF a couple nights ago, the Gasparilla Bowl, the historic Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl that I make must-see TV. And they were talking about some guy from Marshall who was playing, and you know he could have sat out. I'm thinking, well, first of all, I've never heard of this guy, so very likely he's not a first-round prospect. He might end up being some guys come out of nowhere. Like, you know, the guy from UTSA last year to win the first yeah. round. But probably he's a day two, maybe day three prospect. So it's a little different conversation. Secondly, good for him. I mean, I don't begrudge guys who do play. If you want to play, play. Mm-hmm. I would personally tell him not to, like I just did with Devin White. But if you want to play, do it. But I'm also not going to begrudge guys who do this. And that's kind of – you could tell in the way that, well, I just – you know, I love that they're dedicated to their teammates and, and NFL teams are really going to pay attention. No, they're not. The, the whole notion that oh, NFL teams are going to be scared off. Well, Fournette and McCaffrey were the first two to do this, and they both went top ten in the draft. So, no, they're not going to be scared off. Well, and if you if you are scared off, the, you know what? Someone else Someone else be. will not be. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And this is the it, – it's the whole thing of, like, your your talent will win out. Yes. If you have a first-round talent, yes. if you're – better that you say, I need to protect myself for the NFL. It shows right. that you're taking your NFL career seriously. Right. As opposed to being a knucklehead. Yeah. I mean – And, you know, because I think it's much more likely these guys slip if they go to the bowl. Yes. And, you know, Robert and Kim Dietschy fall out of a Falls out of a window. Exactly. You know? Who fell to the end of the first round. I mean, Greedy Williams and Rashawn Gary, those are the two, you know, top names – they're both good enough to probably be top 10 picks. Now, we haven't gone through draft evaluations, and maybe things will change. But, you know, if if Greedy Williams is viewed by NFL teams as a number one corner, the fact that he set out the Fiesta Bowl is not going to matter one iota. 
And if oh, Rashawn Gary is viewed as, you know, a, a poor man's Aaron Donald who can wreck games from the defensive tackle, the fact that he set up the Peach Bowl is not going to matter at all. So, you know, they got to go through their pre-draft stuff and, and we'll you see know how they get picked. And it'll be discussed for the last time at the bowl game. Yes. No, then it'll be forgotten. You know, yeah. They'll go. They'll do their workouts. Yeah. They'll go to when the— When we get to the combine and all these guys are together, you will not hear one mention of, well, Rashawn Gary, boy, he's he's a destructive I, force, but he set out the Peach Bowl, so I wouldn't take him in the top ten. Yeah. No. I certainly not. dropped him on my board. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean— but uh, you sure would hear it if he got injured at the Peach Bowl and couldn't do the combine. Yeah, if he tore his bicep or, you know. Well, I mean, again, I know this is an extreme example, but Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith was set to be probably a top ten pick. And finally, in his third year, he's playing like that again. I mean, it's an amazing story that he's come back and, and now playing this well. But he, he fell to the second round. The Cowboys took a chance. A lot of people thought that was stupid to take him when they did. And they, but they burned two years. They did. I mean, One he missed his entire rookie year. Couldn't play. Last year he played some, but mostly, you know, reserve, just a few snaps here and there. Yeah, now this year he's been great. Speed, and it's good that he's been able to come back, but he lost a fair amount of money that he could have made. I mean, the difference between a top 10 pick and a second rounder is big. Big yeah. money. Well, and for second contracts, you'll have had a year and a half right. of game action. Right. Right, and, yeah, because second round, you get one less year of guarantee. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's coming up now. Now You could argue uh, he can strike it rich sooner, but you're right. He's got less on tape, and he's got an injury history. Well, and that's the thing. What so, if something <laughs> happens in the next, you know, little right. bit here for Dallas? Right, and he, he gets hurt again. You know, yeah. even if it's a different injury, you start getting the yes. label. Yes, you're injury prone, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's great that he's playing well, and I hope that his career takes off and – and that he, you know, can continue to play like this and be an all pro because he was that good in college. But man, seeing him, seeing, you know, uh, Jake Butt at Michigan, you know, towards ACL in his last game, he's torn it twice more since going pro. Would that have happened anyway? I don't know. Maybe it would have, but his career has never been the same since then. Uh, and, you, know. And, you know, and the, the name that people who make the counter argument throw out is Willis McGahee. It's like, well, he still got drafted in the first round. Right. He's not a productive career. It's like, Right, and when he got drafted in the first round, everyone was stunned. Right, and thought that you know that's what made Drew Rosenhaus a yes, household name is he you know his fake yes, phone calls appeared yeah you know, yeah at and, least as and his story you know was. he's a success story. He also played in the national championship game, mm-hmm. so you know yeah this wasn't thought of back then to sit out your bowl game, but you're not seeing it. I mean, Clem, you just mentioned Clemson's got three guys being projected as you know top first round picks. Alabama's got four or five. Uh, Notre Dame's got a few. Oklahoma's got a You're not hearing any of them because they're playing for something. You know, I mean, if that happens, then we got something to talk about. You know, if, if – When we talked about that with ASU, is the line the line's yes, probably the Rose Bowl. The Rose the Bowl, yeah. I mean, if, if next year, if you know, if Tua is still a, a great – probably has another great year and people are talking about him going number one and they make the playoff and he says, I'm not going to play, which I don't think is going to happen. But then that'd be a story. Because, no. wow, he's, he's missing a chance to play for the national title. And, but, I mean, I think if you bring it closer to home, this is the hard one for me. If it's Eno Benjamin, who's already got the rushing record right. for ASU. Right. And let's say he's at 1,500 yards going into the bowl game, and we make the number two bowl game, so we are playing on Alamo New Year's or, Eve or in or the holiday Alamo. or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he says no. I wouldn't fault him. You know? I would not. I mean, I don't know what you would think, but – in that scenario, I I would not because that's a game. I mean, especially a running back of all positions, you know there's only so many hits you could take. 
one, especially if you're playing on, on AstroTurf. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, yes. I mean, if he's got a chance, if he has another great year, and if he does, he's going pro, and he should. Um, no. Absolutely, you sit that game out. Now, if we make the Rose Bowl, that's where the that's where the debate would be tough for me because ultimately the Rose Bowl doesn't really tangibly mean anything more than the Alamo Bowl. It's just a bowl game. doesn't get you a chance to win a national title. But historically, and for ASU especially, it means something. Well, and for the conference, it, it means something. Now, if you're USC and you make the Rose Bowl, it means probably a little less because you've been there a ton. You've yeah. won it a ton. You know, I mean, it still matters. It probably doesn't matter as much. But if you're ASU, certainly if you're Arizona, they've never been. If you're Oregon State and you haven't been for, you know, 50-some years, that game means something. So you, you'd you be a little bit more burned if somebody set that out. But even then, I'd have a hard time faulting the kid because, look, Eno Benjamin is not – it's not his responsibility to worry about ASU's history in the Rose Bowl. His responsibility to take care of himself, make money, go pro, and have a long, productive, successful career so he can take care of himself and his family – be set at the Rose Bowl. First of all, I'd be happy if we were in the Rose Bowl. Secondly, I probably wouldn't be upset with him. I really don't think I would. I mean, I think I would be as as frustrated as a fan as I could be without being able to do anything about right, it. Right, right. But I, mean, I will say, if we get to that, that means we won the conference title. Exactly. Game, and, so. and doesn't that mean more anyway? Uh, you know, I mean, if he if he plays 13 games for us, and again... We're, we're way just, ahead of ourselves. We're being theoretical here. For anybody out there who is listening to this, we're not guaranteeing that ASU is going to be in the Rose Bowl or anything <laughs> you're like not that. Really listening. Don't Nobody's worry. listening, but just in case you are and you're thinking, boy, these guys got big heads. They went seven and six this year, and now they're talking Rose Bowl. No, we're just being theoretical. If that scenario happened, I, I mean, I'd like to see him play as a fan, but as a as an observer, you know, who tries to think objectively as much as possible. I have a hard time being upset with him. Now, if we were in the Fiesta Bowl in the semifinal, I'd feel totally different. That's, you know, you got a chance to win a national championship, you do it. Yeah. But other than that, you know, these games have become marginalized. And so, you know, we have we were talking bowls, and we've spent God knows how many minutes talking about how they don't matter. Now, I'm still going to watch them, and maybe I'm the problem. I probably am. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I probably am, because January 1st, I shelled out money to go to the Fiesta Bowl, albeit not much. Got my ticket for very cheap on StubHub, so that's nice for me that they've been marginalized. And they're not a sponsor. Matt's just telling you. That. Right, exactly. Because we know. have no sponsor. Right, because right. we are here for you. Exactly. And no <laughs> but maybe StubHub will listen to this and decide to sponsor us. Um, or not. But, uh, but maybe. you know, I'll do that, and then I'll come home, and I'll watch the Rose Bowl, and I'll watch the Sugar Bowl. And and so, you know, much like some of these things we talk about, I'm part of the problem. Oh, no, you're the whole problem. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I, mean I, I admit it. I am. It's the same as college sports in general. When I talk about how college athletes deserve to get paid or be able to make money, well, I'm still watching. I'm still consuming. Well, that's the um, thing also. If you want these kids to play in the game, pay them. Right. Pay them right, to play. Right. And I'd be okay with that. You know that. You, I mean, yeah. I would have no problem with you know that how, whatsoever. You know how every sport has playoff shares? Yeah. If, if you want these kids to play in the bowl game, you know, what's well, the school's payout for the bowl? Well, every single one of these kids, when they go to a bowl game, gets a, you know, a bag of free stuff. So how about instead of the money that's used for that free stuff, just give them the money. I mean, well, it's the same general concept. Yeah, it's but five, I think it's, what is it, 250 to 750 of free something stuff? Something like that. Yeah. Just give them the money. Let them do with it what they want. They want to buy food, if they want to buy a plane ticket, if they want to buy a new TV for their dorm, whatever. Let them do it. Uh, you know, but 
But <laughs> I was going to go more extreme and say, well, each school gets a payout for the bowl game. Well, you're Why right you about take that. Half the bowl, half of the bowl payout, give it to the school. You're right you about take that. Take the other half and say, all right, playoff share. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would not disagree with that at all. But you know, the the tricky thing about ever paying athletes directly from the school or from the NCAA is the legalities of it. You you probably know more about that than me. But you know, Title IX and all that stuff that comes in would be really hard to get through. So my thought is, you know, let's let them, I've said this to you many times, let's let them make money on their own. And so if you're Tua Tungavailoa or Kyler Murray, you got a lot of opportunity to make money. If you're Brady White, you probably got a little less. Mm-hmm. If you're the third string, you know, defensive tackle for Memphis, you probably got none. But that's life. Life ain't fair. You know, we all do different things and people pay us different things based on our talents. So uh, I, that would be my thought, but that's a different discussion for a different day um but yeah i mean i i I am i mean i realize that i am part of the problem on this bowl stuff um and yet i do find myself less interested as each year passes in the other games i mean i've watched some of these games so far but aside from the asu game which i was interested in because it was asu i haven't really been that invested in any of them to this point oh yeah i I've been invested in none except I mean, for ASU. I've checked the final yeah. score, and yesterday at work, I put a couple games on, you know, they were on, and so I put it on my phone, you know, in the Direct TV app so I could have something to watch between, you know, things I was doing at work. Aside from that, you know, I didn't really care. I mean, it was FIU and Toledo. Do I care? I wouldn't watch that game in the regular season. Just because you put a bull name on it doesn't mean it matters more. You and I are so different. Yesterday, when I had all this time <laughs> in the world, I, I put on X on the beach while I was eating lunch. Well, that's okay. So, that's all right. You know, uh, you know I mean, hey, uh, variety is the spice of life. This is a big yeah. play right now in the Birmingham Bowl. Yeah. Going, yeah. going for the pick two, which would get them within a field goal. Uh, oh, you gotta you do that. You gotta know the situation and lateral the ball. Hopefully, all you people out there are watching this Birmingham Bowl because that was a very significant play. With uh, one fifteen left, Memphis <laughs> just scored uh, to make it to take the lead, retake the lead by, by four. four on the two point conversion. Brady White's intercepted. Uh, they run it out of the end zone. Wake Forest smartly makes a ton of moves. Yeah, looks like he's going the distance, and then gets caught. Yeah, gets caught, gets tripped up. He had a. A convoy of blockers, but they didn't do a particularly no. good job of blocking, blocking. number 86, <laughs> who comes in there. And then 23 is waiting for the lateral, and you called it. He didn't give it to him. So, so now Wake needs a touchdown. If they had gotten that back, the field goal would win the game. So now you know exactly when this was recorded. Right. If you wanted to uh, sync up <laughs> so that you could feel like you were living yeah. with us in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are talking about how bowl games don't matter, and yet we both, we both just reacted to, to that Memphis-Wake Forest game. So Guilty. I'm part of the problem. I know it. All right. Well, this seems like as good a place as any to stop. You'll get to find out what happens at the end of the Memphis game in real time. So will we. Well, wait. And one thing we got to do. Championship game pick. Real quick. We each picked Alabama Clemson. Alabama. Nick Saban. Cannot stop him. You can barely hope to contain him. I love Tua. But at the beginning of the year, I picked Clemson to beat Alabama. Why change now? I'll stick with it, I guess. Yeah. No. Uh, as a final aside, Greg Powell remains the bowl pick champion yeah, because we, we did not it do year. it this year so we didn't do it congratulations yeah. Greg you win by default <laughs> uh that's that's nice for you we're all very impressed see see we didn't do it because bowl games mean less that's the whole end of this result we didn't even think about it so until next time which will be after Kansas ASU tonight yes he's Matt I'm Ben it's the Ben and Matt Sportscast